This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Okay, hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean. I'm joined this week by Andy Halliwell, Adam Keeley and Chris Hargreaves. Welcome to the pod, gentlemen. Nice to see you all. Good evening. Evening. First time along, Chris. Thanks for joining us. No problem, mate. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Pleasure. Adam, you're uh, you're old news, mate. You know what I mean? You've been here plenty of times, but you've not been on for a while, so it's nice to have you back. How have you been? Yeah, all good, mate, all good. Good. Busy, 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 but yeah. Yeah, it's all good. busy. Andrew, you've been busy, have you, as usual? Yeah. Well, you've been uh, you've been you've been teaching me this week how to edit, haven't you? Yeah, well, we've started that process, haven't we? Because I'm I'm gonna be away next week, so I'm not gonna be doing the pod next week. Um so I'm leaving it in your capable hands. It'll be I'm, fine. I'm, I'm going for a break. I'm getting away from it all. I'm just switching off anything that's remotely connected to the internet and uh, <laughs> ignoring everybody and everything. So um, if things go wrong next week, um, in any way to do with the trust or to do with the podcast, I've got nothing to do with it. So there we go. Disclaimer. Um, so another another thing that I would get like, get off off stride, stride? <laughs> turning Australian. Um, I went to the match today. I went to Boundary Park, full disclosure, because uh, obviously I've said on the pod I'm not going, um, but my dad was a bit worse for wear today, and my mum wanted to go, so I went with my mum. I took my mum, played the good son, went on my dad's season ticket card, and uh, and uh, yeah, watched the match live at Boundary Park for the first time in a very very long time. Bit of a bit of a weird one, really. Sat in the main stand. Um, so yeah, so I can talk about the game because I was there. Uh, as was Mr. Lemsigan, got a good view of him, kept kept my eye on him. Didn't do an Andy Halliwell and uh, cost him. Uh, that's, but, that's, that, that's disappointing. That is disappointing. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think, uh, you know, had I been just Matt Dean of the podcast... Think, oh, you can't be pulling this one. I think I probably would have. You know what I mean? Pulling that one. But, uh, and also, I was with my mum, so uh, I thought I'd be on my best behaviour. You could have done it as well. I didn't want to clip around the ear roll, did I? You know, <laughs> causing a scene, you know. So. Was, this, was the 3,700 nod there, Matt? As, uh... <laughs> have a guess, Chris. Yeah. I thought as much. Now I've I, I have spoken to someone at the club and who did confirm that they they count the season they count the tickets sold for the games, so you know take into consideration season ticket sales whatever other tickets have been sold for that game or issued for that game is what they announce as the attendance. But I don't think there was anywhere near three thousand there to be honest. If you look at the areas, they can actually do it like you say for that but also for the free tickets that they get issued to schools so if they issue a thousand tickets a game and none of those get used because they've issued those tickets you can still go on the attendance yeah what even free tickets yeah because it's still I mean, an allocated ticket isn't it I mean I mean, what to, to what to what end right so what's the objective this is what the Oystons did at Blackpool in the sort of in, in the in the last throws of their um, you know North Korean regime. <laughs> they, 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 
they they were pulling all these ridiculous tricks and trying to trying to mask the the, the true feelings of the supporters, which is ultimately what it's about. Well, apparently, apparently it's fairly common. Apparently, it's fairly common practice within the game to do, to do this. But for me, you know, you have to, on a health and safety point of view, Barry. On a health and safety point of view, <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to you have to know how many people are actually in the stadium, don't you? In case there's an emergency, or like, you know, in, 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 I presume, I don't know. I presume you need to know how many people are actually in the stadium. Um, so there is obviously going to be two figures. And obviously there's a, there's a, you know, for tax purposes, you have to acknowledge how many people have actually paid to get in the ground. And then at the same time, you have to actually presumably know how many people are actually in the stadium from a safety point of view. So, I don't what, know. What, but yeah, what? there was nowhere near that many there. And the atmosphere was, was, was shite, as you what, can imagine. What, what, what I find amusing about it is, if you, if you remember back in the day, Alan Hardy was always rumoured to massage the figures at Boundary Park when it, when it, when it, was, uh, when it was pretty much cash on the day, pay on the day. There were, there were games where we were reporting 12, 13, 14,000 at Boundary Park and it was packed to the rafters. There was at least 17, 18 in there. And, and, he, was, and it was, <laughs> he was reporting numbers because he was fiddling the tax the other way around. Allegedly. And now we go the opposite way around, don't we? Where, where, we, where the club is doing everything it can to try to preserve its own reputation and image to the outside world by pretending that there are more people in the stadium, significantly more people. I saw pictures of, of Boundary Park today and it was empty comparatively. Um, and, and I just find the whole thing pathetic. There was 177 <laughs> Harrogate fans there today and they had a drum and they, they did their best. They made they made a decent bit of noise, um, up shoved up at the back of the chariot end as they were. Um, there was... I'd say that the main, the, uh, sorry, the north stand was probably about a quarter full. There was plenty of room in the main stand, and you know, Rochdale Road End was whatever it was full. I mean, again, maybe a quarter full or something like that. So, yeah, it was, it was, you know, there's not many people going to the game. Um, before we can move on to the game, Chris, how, what's brought? <laughs> Again, like last week, because Andy just arranges for people to, to come on the podcast now. What 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 brings you on here? Where did you have you where have you been chatting to Andy? And and it's nice to have you on. So uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Mainly, um, I know when the Blues, mate, um, and uh, yeah, just off there. Really, I haven't been to the game for probably uh, before COVID. Uh, as probably everybody else is feeling, just really disenchanted with it. Um, and uh, struggling to even muster enthusiasm when we win because it all feels rather pointless win, lose or draw at the minute. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, even I, even today, I'm trying to wrap my brain for what other league club uh, out of the 92 is starting a season with one first-team striker. I'm not including Dernley because he might as well not be there. He's like the invisible man. So, you know, you've got one one senior striker at the club and if that isn't indicative of where we are um, and how the absolute shit show it is is unbelievable um, and it's getting to me I said this to Andy uh, it's getting to the point now oh well, it's past the point of this where for me the, the football now is just a complete and utter irrelevance 
um, it is. I think we've got far, far bigger issues. And, you know, at the at the bottom of it all for me, um, I just want some hope back. Um, and I don't care what league that's in. Um, I don't care what it is. But I just want some, some modicum or slither of hope that we can move in some sort of direction instead of this constant state of paralysis or being on life support, which is a nightmare. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we agree uh, collectively. I can very, very confidently say that on behalf of everybody else. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, last week after the Rochdale game, we did the podcast, we had... We had that little bit of hope. We won a game. There was there was signs that maybe, you know, there is enough to to keep us in the division. Um, for the first time that I'd seen all season. Um, today, I would say, again, there are signs that we do have enough to keep ourselves in. How Harrogate, a second in this division, is beyond me. Did anyone else watch the game? Adam, you, you tend to watch them. Yeah. Via... Uh, well, what, yeah, what, obviously, you look at, Harrogate and teams like that and you look at the Morecambe's who have gone up out of this league and the crews what seems to be the, the recurring theme is stability of squad numbers the players that they're bringing in it's a constant the managers are staying the same you know you, you look at the last couple of years I can't think of three or four players that have been sticking around like I was speaking to a lad the other week and he's saying my kid hasn't got a favourite player anymore because he changed that often. Yeah. It's, you know, you've got no connection or identity to anyone who's at the club. I'll tell you what, everybody's favourite player right now is Harry Vaughan. They, because Absolutely. like he came on, when he came on, everyone was like, get him on today. Came on, changed, no, he didn't change the game, but he changed the, the, the score straight away. First really kind of like, bit of magic. Um, let's come on to the game, right? So let's start at the beginning. We we started off on the front foot. We had more of the ball, more to go. We, down the left-hand side, there was there was plenty of space. Um, Bahambula got a great cross in and somehow Jack Stobbs at the bar. I don't know how he missed that one. Let's put it down to rustiness. He's been out, of, he's been out injured for a while. Um, and Harry got, did, it took ages to come out of the blocks. And I said to my mum, because we had a couple of chances, we had most of the play... I said, this is one of those games where it's going to happen again, as it always does. You know, we, we, we're going to rue not taking our chances when we've been in control of the game. And lo and behold, softest goal. Um, you can imagine, it was the one time that McGee got dragged out of the centre of the of the park. Um, you know, he, Covering and, for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And as soon as he was out of position, they get a tap in, in, in the box. Um, their centre-forward... I'm glad that McGay was there because he was a real handful. He was. He bullied both of them. He bullied Pierre Gianni and McGay. Um, so he was good. Their centre-half, that big lad, again, really good. Um, but they didn't They didn't look, like I said, like a team that, that that should be second in that division. And they're arrogant town, with all due respect, you know. Um, and we just puffed and puffed and struggled. And Diara... Huffed and literally, he, he huffed and puffed and struggled and kept giving the ball away. Uh, Dylan Fage out on the left, you know, just looked pretty much out of place. Um, Bahambula didn't seem to want to give him the ball when when he had the ball down that side. Um, don't blame him. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, Stobbs did all right, considering it was his first game back. Hallam Hope just chases everything around and doesn't really get involved in the plays such because he doesn't, he can't really. He's up there on his Todd. Um, and then when they brought Harry Vaughan on in second half and they played him outside on, because they brought, they had to bring Fage off, right? Because he was having a shocker. Bahambula in the second half was having a shocker. He, he got knackered again. He can't, he hasn't got 90 minutes in him, Bahambula, at the minute. I don't know what's up with him. Um, and then they brought Vaughan on and stuck him out on the left wing. Just out there, isolated on his own. Pierre Gianni kept telling him to get out wide, get out wide. Complete waste. He needed to be in the middle of the park, getting on the ball and driving at defenders. And it was just so infuriating to watch. And I'm watching the two managers on the touchline and their managers barking at them. The 2-1 up, barking, barking, barking. All of them have lost the plot by this stage. They're just pinging long balls forward and that are just getting dealt with constantly by Arriga. And Curls just stood there with his arms folded, you know, and that bothers me at that stage in the game. And, and and the other thing that bothered me was when the arrogant goal went in, the second goal went in, heads went down, hands on hips, strolling back to the centre circle. I watched them all. Not one of them in that situation was like, you know, trying to get them going, trying to motivate them, trying to move it forward. And it was just like, well, we've lost again. You know what I mean? And, and that's that kind of thing that bothers me. Looking at the body language, looking at the people, looking at the reaction, that's what bothers me because that's what that it's that kind of attitude that that wins and loses games at this level. Um, so yeah, I mean that's my uh, match roundup in a nutshell. It's uh, I don't know. Has anyone else got anything to say about the match? I mean, it, 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 I didn't watch any of it. I didn't listen to it. I just saw the score. I just think I'd shake my head. I'm so I'm like Chris a little bit. You know, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit beyond the football at the minute. It just isn't the biggest issue. The, the biggest issue is is the ownership um, and the football secondary to that at the moment. You know, when I've seen, I've seen my team beat uh, the champions of England, the champions elect of England, the leaders of England on regular occasions over the years, and today we got beat by a fucking tea room. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just it's just a joke, isn't it? Like, all these, all, all all these poxy little village teams, you know, that, that are that are well run, you know, to give them a credit. Forest Green, Harrogate, you know, and then other teams like Crawley and Stevenage that are all able to compete that are just smaller than us. Salf, the village of Salford down the road. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we we shouldn't we we should never be in a position where we're looking upon these as our as our sort of you know our uh, competition. Uh, and and finding ourselves struggling against any of them at any stage because the potential of of Oldham Athletic is obviously much much greater, but but it isn't at the minute because of the ownership. And if the owner can't see that, I mean, did you did you watch? I don't know. I'd have been watching his body language all day, but I'd have been quite interested to see today. You know um, what was happening during the game. I've looked on Twitter. It doesn't look or sound like there was much. I know there was no organised protest from PTB today, which we'll come back to, but it didn't look and sound like there was much impromptu um, protesting today. So he, he got a bit of a free pass on that. And I'd have been interested to see what his body language was because there's got to be a point, surely, where Abdallah saying, saying to himself, this is just, this is getting me nowhere. This is absolutely terrible. They're getting beat all the time. They're going out of the football league. Uh, we're pretending there's 3,700 people in the stadium when there's when there's probably about 2,000 in the stadium. Like, who am I kidding? 
<laughs> well, I did. I did. I mean, I did watch. I did watch him. I did look over at him quite a bit. I was like, I was, I was basically sat on the same row as him, so I was like, I looked down and I could see him. And he's, to be honest, his expression didn't change. He seemed to be sat on his own. Uh, he didn't talk. There was somebody he was speaking to towards the end of the game, left before the end of the before the kickoff. Uh, sorry, before the final whistle. Um, and he, his expression was pretty much the same all the way through. He just sat there. He was watching the game. Yeah, I was looking over and go on, Chris. I have a bit of a a theory on that because it's often um, um, I listen to you guys every week and uh, I um, it's often been talked about about what is his motivation, what is he getting out of it, and I I have a bit of a theory on that that when he very 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 first turned up, he, he uh, one of the very few press releases that he's actually put out, he said uh, one of his first quotes was. It's, it's been me and my family's dream to own a football club. And at the time, I didn't obviously know anything about more. And I thought, I must mean his kids and his and his wife. And I thought, oh, that's quite a, a nice thing. And obviously he wants to bring his kids and, and stuff. And then as it's turned out and it's transpired, I often look back at that now and think, you know, did he mean actually more? And was it actually, you know, a, a thing for them to? Because pretty much within six to maybe six to 12 months, um, Abdallah took a more and more of a back seat and more pretty much was left to to get on with it. And I just wonder in terms of this is only my theory and my opinion, but I just look back on that and wonder whether, you know, um it was a bit of Moore's brain child uh, and that's where we are now in terms of the fact that, you know, a lot of the time it's it's him who's at the front of it and who's running it and who's making the decisions and Abdallah would take more of a back seat. Only my opinion, but are, are, you, you, you're probably right, Chris. You, that that probably was what he was referring to. I think it might have been the same interview. But I can distinctly remember him saying early on that he was moving his family to the area as well. Yeah, I, rem- I remember probably. him saying in an interview, yeah. "I'm moving my family to to Manchester, you know, to the northwest of England, and we're going to be, you know, I'm I'm here for the long haul." I remember him saying that in an early interview, which I actually took at that time to be a good thing because if he's going to start getting yeah. involved in in you know, bringing his business connections here and he was going to move to the area. And I thought that was a good thing. Obviously, there was little or no sign of that at any stage. And it, and it, and it very quickly went sour anyway. So I sort of don't blame him now. But, you know, that's what I'm getting at is he sits, he sits there, Matt, today with expressionless. He's thousands of miles away from his family because they don't live here. Uh, it's pissing down me rain and it's freezing cold at Ice Station Zebra. Uh, we're getting pumped at home off of tea rooms. <laughs> Like, what is there to get out of this? Get out now while you can. Is there's nothing to enjoy here? Nobody wants you. There's there's less. There's two thousand people in the stadium. You're kid. You're trying to kid on this more. Um, you can see those that are genuinely passionate about. I presume, Matt. I presume without without sounding ageist a bit. But I presume that the main stand was littered with um, more senior folk. And therefore, they were more placid in nature than maybe the younger folk who were absent from the game. Well, Andy, they played uh, young folk by uh, <laughs> half time, actually. Just uh, <laughs> well, I can't remember the name of the band, but anyway, um, Peter Bo- P- Peter Bjorn and Benny, or whatever it's called. Anyway, I digress. I've, I've, the view from the north stand, uh, not the north stand, the main stand has always been good. So I've always liked watching the football from a football point of view. It's always been good to watch from there. But it's always been 
you know, the the, the North stand get, uh, oh, for Jesus Christ, the main stand get going by uh, bad decisions, refereeing decisions, sack, oh, bloody hell, it's one of them in it, the North stand, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the main stand. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I've just spent the whole. Get I've it just, forward. I've spent. Get it and, forward. Yeah, I've spent like so. I've just spent the last that hour and a half looking at the north stand, and now that's all I've got in my head. But yeah, exactly. It's all that kind of thing, and and I'm looking over and look. I was on my I was on my best behaviour today, right? Um, and I'm looking over, and all I'm thinking is, he is getting away with it here. <laughs> he is getting it. He's getting away with it here. He, what? How is he? There was a little bit of the, at one stage at the far end, at the opposite end, at the Rochdale Road end to where I was. There was um, uh, there was a "We Want Our Dollar Out" chant um, that sort of started and lasted for ten seconds. You know what I mean? Not nothing much, and that was it. And there was a little bit came from the Rochdale Road end and. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously when Harry Vaughan scored, there was a, a bit of a surge in the atmosphere and people were, you know, and it was great actually to see, to be there for him, to see his goal, but he got away with it in the, um, in, in Boundary Park and, and it did get me thinking because, you know, it's probably a good time to bring Adam in really, but like if he's in the country and he's in the ground and he's getting away that lightly with, 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 with feeling, should he be? Um, should 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 the should the people that are there at the ground be a bit more vocal about it? You know, but is there any plans for that? In into in you know, because obviously I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not instigating any uh, any protests or anything like that as it stands. But you know how I feel, and everyone listening knows how I feel. And you know, I'm not I'm not going to you know go up to him and, and and start shouting in his face or anything like that. But I, I thought that. He got away with it big time today. And we don't know how long he's going to be around for. Uh, we can come on to the meeting that we had. I'm sure we are going to Andy a bit later on with with Adam and, and Richard and that. But, um, yeah, he got away with it. Adam, what's is there any any plans for more protests in the stadium? Or what, what's, what's moving with PTB? This week, we've obviously um, took a step back from uh, doing anything in the open. It's all been purely about trying to find investment or someone who's willing to take the club on. Obviously, that isn't something that, you know, can be done lightly. It has to be done properly. We have to put the right message out there to people um, and have sensible conversations. So um, that's what we've been doing this week. But at the end of the day, with any protest or anything, every single fan has their part to play whether it's an organised protest or not, every single supporter, you know, has to make their voice heard. And it, it can't be left to organising a protest just for that to happen. It needs to be as a standard every week. Every single person who has feelings that they're not happy about what's happening at their club need to make their voice heard. And think- yeah, we, we have got other things coming up. Um there was going to be something planned for um, for today, but unfortunately, it fell through due to um, a couple of different things. But it should be for the for the next home game. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's disappointing, obviously, because because of what is happening to the club. And I was surprised at the, the lack of um, noise of disgruntlement today, especially given that the owner was there. Is is it not indicative that the let's say there were two thousand there, right? Because I'm not having the three seven. No one is. 
Yeah. Let's say 2000. Is it, are we not just really now at, this is the absolute bare bone 2000 that would literally uh, go and watch us in the, in the Northwest counties league division four. No yeah, man. but there's, there is still, no there, there is still feeling among that group of discontentment with Abdallah because it was there. It did, it did get voiced today. It was just very, very, um, a, a minor amount of time, you know. I, I'm sure the people that are there are that main priority is get behind the team. Well, that wasn't happening either. <laughs> there was no, there was no flags, there was no banners, there was no drum in the Rochester Road end because there's, you know, there's, there was no atmosphere. The Atleticos have been. Uh, their wings have been clipped a bit, aren't they? So, like, they, you know, they weren't generating the atmosphere. It was the atmosphere was shite, as you would expect, as usual. Chris, what were you going to say, think, mate? I, yeah, I'm just going to say, I think if you're still going to the games now on a regular, semi-regular basis, or even picking your games, and you know, we've all we've talked a lot about or a lot on social about, you know, don't judge people for not going, don't judge people for going, and I think if you're still going now. You're not going to protest. You're going because you want your fix. You're going because, um, you know, like you said, whatever whatever league we're going to be in, that's what you're going to go and watch. Um, and I think the mentality of those people, they're not, I know I'm generalising here, but I think um, they're not, the, those people that are still going aren't the people that are going to be vociferous and want to say how they really feel because I don't think the owner is the primary cause of why they're going to the game or not. Um, I think for the people that it is, they're not at the game um, for very obvious reasons. So I think particularly, and you know, all our away day crowds, um, it's no surprise then where we get a lot more chanting because those are your people that um, maybe it's a, a younger crowd as well. Um, I think that sort of plays into it as well. But um, I do think there's a a mentality of if you're still going at home, you're going because of the fix in the football, not because you want the owner out. Yeah, I can't disagree with that, Chris, at all. I think I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I I also think it's 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 very. This is one of the main majorly frustrating things about it. Really, is that what you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I went today and I, I I wanted to see what it was like in Boundary Park. I wanted to see what the atmosphere was like. I was curious. Um, I didn't want my mum to order her own, so I went with her and. I took it in and I'm glad I went because I got to go, I watched the game and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go for, for that experience every week, for that match day experience every week. It was like you say, Chris, going through the motions, people going through the motions, people there with their family, people doing their, what they do, people just doing what they do every week, just because it's part of the routine. And I think what, what unites us um, as people and as, as as in our in our fight, if you like, is that we we're not prepared to put up with that anymore, are we? That that going through the motions, we're not prepared to accept that that is where Oldham Athletic is at. And all right, the rot started a long time ago, but it's accelerated in the last few years, and it is what it is because of where we're at with the ownership and it needs to change. And we need those people in the ground. We need to get those people or a significantly bigger chunk of those people to turn as well. How do we go about that? That's, that's probably an interesting question to ask. The, the, the two loudest cheers today were Fage and Diara coming off 
Mm. <laughs> no, says, you're right, yeah. That, that, that generally says everything about the standard of where we are at the minute. I mean... I mean, that are, in itself, Adam, is, a, is, a, is, is, a, is an acknowledgement of these are, these are most players and, you know, it was an acknowledgement of that, wasn't it? Absolutely. And you, you look at, I mean, the commentary was saying about Diara being a solid defensive midfielder and he was blocking everything, not being funny. But that's, that's a standard that we're talking about. He shouldn't be playing in the Dog and Ducks team, never mind football league. And you know what? He looked he looked Ballard. knackered. He looked knackered, Ballard. Adam, as well. He he didn't look up for it, but he got he got taken off second half because he was blowing and he you you can see why I know why Curl's played him because we well I mean we recruited badly as usual we haven't got any other mid we haven't got midfield we haven't got any what we desperately need in in where Diara is is an experienced midfielder we need a, a good pro we keep we keep bringing in central midfielders don't we that are not needed we've got the lad from QPR we've got the lad from Tottenham we've got Whelan. We've got Diara, we've got Cisse. Yeah, but none of them are Vaughan. none of them are good experienced midfielders, are they? We need like a, we need. No, I'm saying we're bringing in players that aren't good enough for this league. I tell you, Harry Harry Vaughan's good enough for this league. Harry Vaughan won't be at very long. He's far yeah, too I'm good. I'm talking about players too good. But Burnley yeah, yeah. were were linked with him, weren't they, uh, at the end of the transfer window? But apparently, we turned down half a million pound bid from Burnley, which is. Uh, surprising. I thought we'd have might have snapped that up. Um, <laughs> would have I think been. It was uh, a little bit less than that. From was what it? I heard. Yeah. Well, so. that, I wouldn't give him away for 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 that kind of money because he's a proper footballer. He's a proper footballer. I tell, I tell you what's interesting is um, where was Benny Kuto today? Was he injured? It, I, uh, he was ill. He was ill. Okay. Yeah. So you, so Kuto was ill. Um, so if you if you think about uh, Kuto Vaughan. You know, and even um, Junior Loamba, who scored at, at, at Sutton, and the brightest sparks are all youth players again, aren't they? It's, it's absolutely incredible uh, that, that these boys are that, that the ones that are sort of getting you off your seat a little bit. And um, and and this whole registration issue, this whole absolute and utter debacle over the administration of the football club, has meant that these boys for a long time haven't been able to start games because. Uh, if they'd have started games, they'd have counted towards the the, the squad of twenty three um, professionals. So I, I, I do wonder. I know Benny Kuto started at Rochdale last week, didn't he? Yeah. So that, and that, and I think he was. A, I think Kerr was able to start him because the the McGahey registration issue had been dealt with. So therefore he could. But I, I did. I did wonder whether Vaughan Vaughan did Vaughan start at Sutton. I think he might have done. So he, he started as well. But it's, it's, that that has hampered some of, some of them boys getting in the first team from the off throughout the season you think to yourself I'd rather play them wouldn't you <laughs> look get them all in 100% and we're absolutely desperate for a left sided player Benny Couto is that I mean because you know he's Phaedra's was out there on the left today as the left wing back you know waste of time when they brought him off this is what was frustrating that's when he put Vaughan out there but that's why we look better at Rochdale because we had that left sided player playing down the left-hand side. It made a big difference. Uh, today, I was just thinking, who have we got? Who, who can we put there? We've no left-back at all in the squad. You know, apart from Kuto, that is they, we've got one left-back. So there's no way of... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Sam Hart is, a, Sam Hart. is the left wing, but he's injured, isn't he? So, you know, we, I'm just looking and thinking, what are we going to do here? The recruitment has been 
so bad again. The squad is in. It, the word that we need that to use is balance, or I should say imbalance. Every single squad we've had under these lads has been imbalanced. It's never been balanced. It's always been out of kilter. It's always been we've got too many of them, not enough of them. It's never been right. And you know, like when it comes to that football inside of things, not that it's not. Forget about all the. Um, administration stuff and the, all the, the the people leaving and the stuff that we play and all that other stuff, the list and as long as our arm. But from a footballing point of view, they haven't had a they haven't got it right at any point. They they don't know think, what they're doing. I think it's even sort of worse than that, Matt. I think honestly, you look at it sometimes, and honestly, honestly, and it feels to me like they get agents ringing up going. Do you want that player? And they go, yeah, send him along. It feels that fag packet to me, but <laughs> I don't even think it's about a plan or or a look at the squad or a meeting like midweek between Mo and, and Curl where they're going, right, who do we need? Where just it literally feels like, oh, we've had a lad from QPR ringles. Should we get him in? Yeah, well, send him in. How many stri- how many builders? I don't know. I haven't looked at the squad this week. <laughs> we'll just send him in. That's what it feels like. It's just, you know, I've got, I said it before, but, and I'll come back to it. One striker, one senior striker at a professional football club. What is that? Yeah. But the thing is, Chris, he's not even, he's not even, he's not even a striker, is he? Oh, no. He's not even that. <laughs> well, Dernley's the striker, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, I guess. Yeah. Dernley's the one. I mean, it's just, it is completely imbalanced and it's all over the shop and it's it's blatantly obvious for us. You know, we're all, Keith Curl will come out and say something along the lines of, you know, well, you're all football managers, aren't you? As fans and that, you know what I mean? You all know better than, um, in theory, none of us should know better than Keith Curl, but like, it, we don't have to know better than Keith Curl. We, but we're all on a par with more. Uh, if, in fact, I'd be offended if I, if, if I was considered to be on a par with more. If, if my football knowledge was as, was as good as his, then and people say, you know, I probably said some stuff in here that, that people would say, well, whatever. But, you know, like, Mo hasn't got a fucking clue. He really hasn't got a fucking clue. And and, and, if, and if, if Abdallah thinks that Mo has a clue, then he's got even less of a clue than, than Mohamed has. And that's that's where we're at with it. It's just a joke. It's a joke. And unfortunately, Abdallah will not get rid of Mo. So, you know, we, it's, we have to get rid of them both, don't we? If that's the case. Well, I think I think that brings us on nicely to um, to to a bit of uh, a bit of foundation news, if you don't mind, then Matt, because because you guys um, obviously part of your survey, and there was a, a very detailed statement that was issued last night from the foundation about the foundation's intention now to move to stage two. Uh, of your four stages on the basis of what you've witnessed, seen, evidenced, and um, the feedback you've received from supporters. Did you, do you, do you, is it worth you just giving us a bit of a, an update on on the foundations, how the foundation came to that position, I guess? Yeah, well, we said that what we would do is be canvas the membership. Um, so I put together five questions, which were quite pertinent, you know, should more stay as the sporting director um, would you back a vote of no confidence? Um, should Abdallah sell the club? Is he capable of putting together a, a plan which is likely to save the football club? That kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the results were were, were resounding. Um, it's clear from the membership, and we got 
717 responses to the to the questionnaire so like you know 70% of the of the membership and it was very very clear and off the back of like the protests and and, and everything that's been going on there is a you know like abdallah likes to to try and uh, persistently say that it's a minority that doesn't support him i think it's very clear at this stage that it's not a minority at all and we you know we wanted to we wanted our members to tell us how they felt and they did and they, they had the option to vote the opposite way and and that that vote that that survey could have come back in favor of Abdallah and more quite easily if that was the feeling uh, but he didn't <laughs> so that's just the way it is um so we had a meeting then with uh with Richard Borden and um Adam Morley and Adam was a little bit late to the meeting so we spoke with Richard for a while and I've spoken to Richard a couple of times he seems like a nice guy um he seems like he has some good ideas um unfortunately i feel he doesn't have much influence at the club and and that became apparent when adam joined the conversation because it was then dominated by one director i would say that 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 meeting so i think there's very much a pecking order when it comes to the four directors at the football club uh and unfortunately the fan representative representative <laughs> Is at the bottom of that pecking order, um, and like I said, that's no slight on Richard because I've, I've, because unlike other people at the club uh, who I've spoke to more than once, I still like Richard, whereas I'm maybe not quite as fond of some other people. I'm not saying that they're directors; I'm just saying other people at this stage. But um, so we had a conversation, and it's like talking to the monkey when you need to talk to the organ grinder in it at the end of the day why is abdallah not on this meeting what's the point in talking to you two really um because there really wasn't much point and adam constantly plays the game he's a lawyer and he, he you know he talks like one and it's a little bit frustrating sometimes um He's only doing his job, though. I don't. I, I don't have a. I don't have a problem with that. He's only doing his job, but it, never at any point when I've spoke to a member of the board, I take Abdallah. You know, the only one I haven't spoke to now is Mohammed. I've never come away inspired. I've never come away thinking that they believe that this can be done, that this can be turned around, that this can be said, that they know that that, that they, they know what they're doing, and that they've got a plan. They, but they admitted during that conversation that the five-year plan has failed, that the three-year plan that they're supposed to be putting together, nobody knows what it is yet. Um, it's There's nothing to give us any hope. There's nothing to give us any faith. You know, we'd be stupid to repeat this, the mistakes of the previous trust and say, oh, well, they've told us this and they've said that they're going to get the shit together and so we're going to, we're going to all going to go and sit down and wait for that to... Enough's enough. We're not stupid. And the fans aren't stupid. They don't have the track record to give us the inspiration to believe that they're going to turn this around. So we don't believe it. We don't believe that they're going to turn it around. We don't believe they're capable of turning it around. And as much as Abdallah thinks, you know, and wants to convince us all that he is the man to do it, there's nothing to, su to suggest he is. So we have to move to the next phase, which is look, you've done your best, you've failed. It's time to help you sell the club. And we want to do that in the nicest possible way. We've got no, I've got no, I don't want this to get nasty. 
That's why we did it in phases. That's why we put phase two in. Phase two was let's work together to get the best outcome for everybody. And that means we're going to try and work. We're going to try and communicate. We're going to try and do what we need to do. Stage three is, 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 is Blackpool territory. And we don't want to, we don't want to go there because that doesn't work for anyone. That is a, that's a war of attrition. That is the difficult, difficult days. We do not want to get to stage three, but the reason we put a phase plan in is because if we have to, then we have to. So now we're at stage two, which is let's try and work together to, to facilitate the exit of the football club. And like you've already said, Adam, let's try and get people in. Let's try and get buyers around the table. And from our point of view, from the, from the foundation's point of view, let's get some money together um, to try and help you, well, for that money to use be used in however we can do it. And I guess the thing with the money is the more we raise, the more more we can do with it, the more influence that we have as fan base. We've tried to work with the trust as they were previously and raise the concerns over the way that they were going with the contingency fund purely to try and put a bigger percentage on what they have in the club. At this moment in time, that is completely around. And that's why we refuse to back the contingency fund. So obviously the work that you're doing now with, with the other um, foundation directors, you know, is good. And that's where, you know, I think we're looking at sorting a meeting out in the uh, not too distant future yeah. to try and, you know, support that and see, you know, what we can do to help because we were, there was literally no way we were backing something that was putting more money into Abdallah's back pocket. We need Absolutely to sit around, no we need to sit around as a fan base, Adam, and uh, 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 in the thousands, we need to canvas and say, look, we're raising money. What are we going to do with it? And let's buy into it as a collective, as a, as a fan base, and say, right, this is the goal, this is the outcome, this is what we're going to do with it. And we, 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 we've, you know, that's really, really, really important. It's not up to a small number of people to decide what's going to happen to that money. It's got, if, if, if we're going to get people to buy into it, enough people to buy into it to make it significant, we all need to agree what, that, what the aim is and what the outcome is with that money. Like, it's just to sit on it, it's just a pot that we're going to sit on. Well, no, it can't just be a pot that we're going to sit on. We have to have an objective for that money. We have to have a purpose for it. We have to want to, want to do something with it. What is that? Is it fan ownership? Is it partial fan ownership? What is it? We have to have a vision. We have to have a plan. There's no point just saying we're raising money. But that, like you say, Adam, needs to be a conversation that we all have. Everyone who's a stakeholder has to be involved in that conversation. Chris, you want to say something, mate? Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask um, you guys what you thought of, about uh, this in terms of if we or while we remain a league club, do you think that the difference between what somebody's willing to pay and what Abdallah might want can be bridged? Because in my opinion, that will never, ever, ever be bridged while we remain uh, a league club, in my opinion. Adam? You guys? Have you had any thoughts on that? I mean, I know you've been looking you've been looking into trying to get someone to buy the club, so does that does that play into it? I think at this moment in time, let's be honest, if we go any further down, the club's going to be worth fucking nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, we've um, also spoke to Adam this week, trying to find out, you know, what Abdallah would be willing to accept, what he would um, do. In, in that sense and 
it appears they are open to offers, but there's nothing sure. He seems to want his money back, which is just short of six million quid. Yeah. What planet is any professional businessman who's throwing anywhere near that into a club that's insolvent? Well, to be honest, I don't. I don't think that Adam even thinks that that is realistic. Or uh, oh, is no, no, you I'm know, he, he, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's. I, I mean, Adam has basically said to us that you know he thinks that Abdallah needs to sell the club, or that he's recommended to him that he should sell the club. But Abdallah is his own man, and you know he'll do what he wants to do. Or well, maybe that little chat I had with at Brentford helps. <laughs> <laughs> he did mention you, Andy, um, actually, in the conversation. Yeah, but it was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the dartboard on his wall with your face on it. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, I, I mean... I it's desperate times, though, isn't it? I mean, realistically, if we could go down to the, the, the conference, which we're still in the relegation, we actually went up a place today, didn't we? Because the got battered. Yeah. Um, Everywhere they go. Times to be alive. <laughs> um, you know, but if we go down, realistically, yes, there is still potential in the club, but that value I, I, per, drops again, doesn't it? I just think though now we're what have we? I just think, and I might be in a minority here, but I just think we're things are that rotten, and we're that desperate. And Matt touched on this a couple of weeks ago in the pod about your Wimbledon's and your Stockports. I'm at the point now where perversely. I'm kind of like welcoming rec- uh, relegation or administration because what that will do, in my opinion, is it will force him force him to be realistic about what he's willing to let the club go for. Because weirdly, we're in this we're in this awful position where it's obviously preferable to stay in the league, obviously, but actually we're hamstrung by being a league club because while we're a league club, he'll want too much money. So for me, actually. If we go down, and you're right, we are. It's a long, long, long road back from there. But actually, that's where I am, and I, I, it doesn't. It doesn't actually bother me anymore. In terms of, like I said before, the football is a is an irrelevance. I, I just, I'm desperate for us to bottom out now and and start the climb back up because this life support of just. I totally, I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from. I really, I, I, I do, and and. Because it, it, it does feel like we've not reached rock bottom yet, doesn't it? That that no, does worry me. I, I I and I get that. I'm hoping we don't, but it's it's really really hard. I think what I mean from the foundation point of view, kicking off with fundraising that's going to be happening, you know, in the next um, couple of weeks, and we need to we need to try and really drive that, and we really really need to try and get to get money in, and hopefully start networking more start attracting business people people with money in the in the area and get a lot more look i'm not going to make any apologies the trust has been a fucking disaster for the last 15 years or 20 or wherever long barry owen made a right bollocks of it and i don't care what he says on twitter right trying to blame everybody else and all that barry you are responsible for the trust being a shambles Right. And the reason that we came in to try and let's be honest, save the trust was because it was a shambles. And the reason why when when the elections came up and we said we need new directors, only a handful of people stepped forward was because it was a shambles. Right. So 
I, I've got no problem saying that. As I said it before. And it was. And now I've come into it. And now I'm working in it. I'm seeing how much of a fucking shambles it was. It's absolutely archaic. It's completely disorganised. And it's and it, and it's a mess. So we should be we should have millions of pounds in the bank already waiting and investors and people lined up ready for this situation because that was what this organization was set up to do so it's been a monumental failure and people like owen are responsible right and people have come in and they've done they've settled that this is how it's done and they've, they've made a shitload of excuses for it over the time themselves and it's nonsense right and jim booth is working extremely hard along with a volunteer called Darren Mills to get this inf the infrastructure at this organization into the 21st century and and to work like a business and that's what we're doing now and I'm, we're going to put out and we're going to put out a plea for, for 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 new people to get involved but we're going to do that off the back of looking like a proper organization that people actually might want to get involved with with an agenda of raising money to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And it's failed to do that, right? And I'm saying that as a director, and if any of the other directors have got a problem with me saying that, I don't give a fucking shit, to be perfectly honest, right? This is the situation, and, and, and they've let us down, and I'm angry about it, right? because we should be in a completely different situation than we are now. Push the boundary, put themselves together and organize themselves because the trust was a shit show, because it wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing, right? So no more excuses. But once we get this organization sorted out and we've got PTB working with us and we're working with the other fans and the other fan groups and we're, and we're a united group, then we need to figure out as quickly as possible how to get our hands in our pockets, how to get our hands in businesses' pockets and start raising some money, some significant money to put ourselves in to the equation, into the conversation when it comes to buying this football club. And we need to do it quickly. And regardless, like you say, Chris, if we get into the National League, we need to do that even more. And before we need to try and do it before we go into the National League. We have to pray that we stay up this season, but we have to also be ready for the fact that we might not do. So for me, by the end of this season, we need to be in a very, very different position in terms of the money in the bank and the numbers that we have. And we have to draw a line under this apathy and this pathetic kind of nonsense that we've put up with for the last however many years. Boundary Park Alert System is produced and hosted by me, Matt Dean. Additional support and research is by Andy Halliwell and Steve Shipman. You can follow me on Twitter at MattDean78 and the show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at OAFC Podcast. Don't forget to download the Fan Hub app and listen to the show there or by visiting oafcpodcast.co.uk where you can support the work we do by visiting our online merch store, read our blog and get in touch. If you'd like more information about Push the Boundary, visit pushtheboundary.co.uk and if you'd like to know more about Oldham Athletic Supporters Foundation, please visit trustoldham.org. Remember, this is your club and you can have it all, but how much do you want it? Thanks for listening.